Well, as you're sitting here in your seats tonight, I'm just going to encourage you. What are you expecting? Are you expecting the Lord to reveal something to you? Are you expecting breakthrough? Are you expecting to change? How about making yourself available to the Holy Ghost? Because it's not just all about, Lord, what you got for me. Are you willing to participate with what God would do tonight? So, so let's put on, turn your faith on to receive from the pastor and that the anointing would be on him and that you'd be willing to change, participate with the Spirit of God. Amen? Amen. I know what I'm expecting. I'm expecting that miracles are going to happen. I'm expecting that the goodness of God is going to be revealed. I expect that He's here with us tonight. I expect that light is going to flood in tonight and bring revelation. I expect His goodness to be seen in the land of the living. Come on, who's with me? Father, we exalt you and we worship you. We just hail you as king. We call you Lord and that you are good to all is what your word says. We agree with this, Father. And we invite you by your spirit to just come in and fill this place full of light and revelation. and That our understanding would come up. That our wisdom levels would just skyrocket tonight. I thank you for this. Lord, I thank you that it's getting brighter and brighter and brighter for us. And we see more clearly. Our understanding goes further in places it couldn't have gone. I thank you for it as though it's already done and over in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers. And you know, you as mothers are some of the most incredible people on the planet. And I look at Um, all that's required of a mother, and I don't know how they do it except that there's an anointing on them to be a mom. (laughs) You know, just like there's an anointing on you to be what God's created you to be, there's also one on mothers to be a mother. And for some, that's with little ones being a mother. For some, it's being a mother of adult children already. And for others, maybe you fill a role in someone's life as a mother, even if they weren't your natural offspring. So all of these things, as mothers, I encourage you that you would rely on the Lord, that His anointing on you would absolutely grace you to be the best mom He created you to be. And um, hallelujah, this house is full of amazing mothers and mothers-to-be. Now, if you were with us in the recent months, maybe since about November, we had covered a series called God's Will to Heal, or Healing is God's Will. And we looked at 32 reasons, I think, of, from Scripture of why we believe that it is God's will to heal everybody always. And so in that study, in those months and months of looking at that subject, we identified the character of God again and again and again and again. And we saw that the character of God, He is not the one making people sick. That God is not the one that is, is you know, trying to teach people a lesson, so He gives them cancer, He gives them tumor, He, he does these horrible things to people. That's not God is not the one that's doing that. In fact, Scripture was real strong that sickness is a work of the devil. 
That sickness is from the evil one. And Jesus died at the cross, and part of what He redeemed us from was sickness and disease. And so, He took our sin, He also took our sickness. In fact, in Psalms 103, maybe you can put that up on the screen for us. Psalms 103, and let's begin in in, uh, verse 2. And you'll see something that is stated here that compares... Okay, verse 2 says, My soul praise the Lord and do not forget all His benefits. You know, there's benefits to serving the Lord. Having Him as your Lord. It says, He forgives all our sin. That's all our sin. We know that He went to the cross to do that. That He bore our sin upon Himself. He took our sin. Last week, if you weren't here and you want to hear a powerful word about you being made the righteousness of God, go online and listen to that sermon. Because you and I have been made righteous in God's eyes by what Jesus did. So, He forgives all our sin. He heals all our diseases. He redeems your life from the pit. He crowns you with faithful love and compassion. He satisfies you with goodness. Your youth is renewed like the eagle. Hallelujah. So, we see that He took care of the sin problem. He also took care of the sickness problem. Now, just because He took care of the sin problem doesn't mean that sin doesn't exist anymore. Sin's still there. Even as born-again believers with the spirit of the law of life living on the inside of me, my flesh sometimes strays away into sin and I have to get a hold of it by the ear and bring it back to the cross and say, no more of that. He paid for that sin. Hallelujah. I've been made righteous. And so we get to live an overcoming life. We, we never have to stay under the burden of sin. Well, in the same way, He bore all our sicknesses is what the Word says. He, he carried our pains. He bore our sicknesses. So we know that He provided for our healing. Okay? Does that mean that there's no sickness in the world anymore? No, we live in a broken down world. There's sickness and disease and, and accidents and calamities all over the place, right? And so, um, the question, <clears throat> actually this, I'll, I'll read the first part because it's not a question. It says, we know that healing is God's will. That He wouldn't make anyone with a deformity or a disease, period. That's a statement. So we know that, right? We agree that healing is the will of God. That He's not making people making people have disease or sickness or, or putting those things on people. No, He is good. He heals us. You know, God would be bipolar to make you sick and then quickly run over to this side and heal you too. What kind of weirdness would that be? But no, He is the same. He doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And He's not bipolar. And so we see that, uh, we, we do believe that it is God's will to heal and that He wouldn't make anyone with a deformity or a disease. So here's the question. So how do we explain the verses that say He formed us in our mother's womb and knit us together when people are born with deformities and disease? And Elizabeth Hess is the one who gave us the question tonight. So thank you for that. It's an excellent question. And so what I want to do is we're going to look at some scriptures real quickly. You don't necessarily have to turn there with me, but you can take notes and write down the reference if you're wanting to uh, look at them later. In Psalms 139 verse 13, it says, It was you who created my inward parts. 
you knit me together in my mother's womb. Isaiah 44 verse 24 says, This is what the Lord, your Redeemer, who formed you from the womb, says. And then it has a statement from the Lord. The point I want to bring out is it shows that He formed you from the womb is what Scripture is telling us. Now, if we stop with just those two Scriptures and we don't look at anything else from the character of God, anything else from what the Word tells us, we would go away with the conclusion that God, so little babies that are born with deformities or disease or sickness or even die in the womb, that, that must be God. He, he made them that way. If we would just read these verses and nothing more in Scripture, that's what we would come away with. But how many know that proper hermeneutics of Scripture, proper understanding of Scripture, is we understand Scripture by other Scriptures? Or when we come to a verse and we say, what does this mean? Well, look at that verse through the lens of other verses. And that is how you will find a congruency through the Word of God. So that's what we have to do in this case as well. So we have to say, okay, so we have a little baby born um, in, in a way that is not what we would call healthy or perfect. Then what went wrong and what can we do about it? <clears throat> Let me read a verse to you out of 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 8, verse 6. Yet for us there is one God the Father. Agreed? All things are from Him. Now if we just stop reading right there, we get into a world of problems real fast, don't we? Is it 100% true? Yes. So is our tumors from Him? No. See, it's important that we understand what's being said rather than getting literalitis. You know what literalitis is? You can be healed from that too. <laughs> So, for us, there's one God, the Father. All things are from Him, and we exist for Him. There's one Lord, Jesus Christ. All things are through Him, and we exist through Him. So, if we just read this verse and nothing more, we would go away going, oh, He made my uncle Leroy have cancer. Because all things are from Him. But no, proper hermeneutics say we need to look at that through the character of God from all the other verses that we have. The promises of healing. The promises that He's good. And we have already identified very, very clearly that sickness and disease is part of the curse of the law. Yes. And it's all, every disease, every sickness that exists or ever will exist is listed in Deuteronomy 28 as part of the curse of the law. And in Galatians it tells us that we are redeemed. Jesus Christ redeemed us from that curse of the law. Because He was made a curse for us. So, let's start putting this together. You know, if... Let's, back, let's answer the question by asking some other questions first. So, if a 20-year-old develops a tumor or sickness, was God the one who did it? No. Okay, so what if a 5-year-old develops leukemia? Was God the one who did it? No. Okay, so what if a one-year-old develops a tumor? Is it, is it God now? No. What if a one-week-old develops cancer and a tumor? Is it God now? So why do we think that if it's inside the womb, now it's God? I mean, if someone's asking you this question, this is where you're going to back it up to. 
Inside the womb is still in this natural realm, just like outside the womb is in this natural realm. And as long as we're in the natural realm, things are prone to go wrong. That's how our bodies develop sickness and disease. It's why Jesus bore our sickness and disease and heals all our diseases because He knows we need it. And so whether you're in the womb or out of the womb, it doesn't matter. We're still in this broken world where things are prone to go wrong. And when we say, yeah, but it says God knit them together. Well, God set certain laws in motion. He's not sitting there. If, if someone's in here pregnant right now, the Lord is not sitting on His throne going, okay, I'm going to form its arm now. I'm going to put it together this way. And, and now heart, you beat, beat. And, and uh, now let's form the little finger's heart, keep beating. And, and now the other finger heart, keep beating. And you know, This is not what God is doing. He is not knitting it together like we think of a person knitting a rug. He put laws in motion that stand and continue to stand as long as this earth stands. Those laws are going to be there and be in operation. And one of those laws was procreation. You add male and a female, one plus one, and you equal, you get two, right? Or, I mean, some people get two twins, but... (laughs) Right? You, you take one and you take another one and you put them together and, and creation happens. And that is a law that God put in place. That doesn't mean that every person that was born was born because God said, I, I want, is the one that was putting it in the womb. There's people that are raped and get pregnant. That's not the Lord at all. That little baby in the womb though, God still has a plan for that baby. That, that baby didn't catch God by surprise. Go, oh, wow, where'd they come from? Oh, Gabriel, you better figure out something to do with that one. No, it wasn't God that commissioned the rape and everything that happened there, but God knew it would happen and had a plan for that little one before it was ever born. And when that little one comes, we have a sign before it this. All right? So we have to be very clear that God is not the one commissioning all these things even though He is a sovereign God. Sovereign doesn't mean that everything's His fault. <laughs> right? We have a part to play in it. And when you take male and female, you wind up with baby. Right? Okay, so that law of creation He put in effect is God is not sitting there every time a male and female come together and okay, now I'm going to make a baby in them. No, it's a law that is already in motion and standing in the earth. He said it once, that was enough. Back when He created the earth. Let me give you some Scripture for this. Hebrews 1 verse 3 says, He is upholding all things by the power of His Word. The power of His Word. He delivered His Word when He created the world and He said, light be and light was. In the whole world, things are being held together by the power of His Word. The law of creation, the law of gravity, the, the moon, the sun, all the planets in alignment, all these different things are held by the power of His Word. He's not sitting in heaven going, okay, um, move sun, move, and earth do this, and wind do that. And He's not doing that. His law is just in effect and working. And so uh, Colossians 1.17 says, He is before all things, and by Him all things hold together. Our very body is being held together because His Word said it so. He's not sitting here thinking, oh Josh, stay in one piece. Stay together. Stay together. He's not, he already put it in motion. His law, His Word. <laughs> start holding yourself together over here. Get yourself together, Josh. And 
Um, he said something and it's now in motion and it just stays. His word remains. And so when it says that um, he knit us or he made us, that we need to understand that if something goes wrong in the womb, it wasn't him who did it. There are laws of creation he put in motion, but those laws are also subject to this natural realm, just like you and I's bodies are. However, we have a higher truth to proclaim to, to reach to, to get a hold of. You know, by his stripes, I am healed. He heals all my sicknesses, all my diseases. He, he forgives all my sins. These are the truths that we take a hold of. And if you have a little one, if you're pregnant with a little one and there's something wrong in there, then you believe God for redemption of whatever is wrong in there. Whatever has been shown to you. Or if maybe you're having trouble becoming pregnant. Or maybe you're having trouble carrying pregnancy to full term. All of those things are listed as part of the curse of the law. And you have been redeemed from that. You do not have to pay that price. It's already been paid. And it would be wrong for you to have to pay that again. So just don't put up with it. Say, oh no, I received from you, Lord, life in my womb. Health in my womb. Acts 17.28 says, For in Him we live and move and have our being. In Him we live and move and have our being. So, just like the Lord, you know, we are able to take our next breath because of what He already put in motion. In the same way, that same law that's holding us together is also working to form little children on the inside of the mother. And since it's Mother's Day, I guess this is a really appropriate question even though you asked it a month ago or more. Does that answer your question on how to answer that? Okay, very good. If you have a question, pick up a card in the back and you can fill it out and uh, put it into the offering basket or give it to an usher and we will answer it. All right. You ready for the sermon now? Matthew chapter 5. If you have a Bible with you, find it in there. If you don't have a Bible, you can look up at the screen. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 14. And I believe that we are starting a new series. Maybe it started last week. At least last week was a great platform for, for going into it. And this series, I'm going to call it Living in the Light and Loving It. Living in the Light and Loving It. And so we've started this evening talking about light and revelation. So let's jump right into Matthew chapter 5 and look at verse 14. Jesus is speaking. These are his words. He says, You are the light of the world. A city situated on a hill cannot be hidden. You are the light of the world. Someone say, I am the light of the world. I am the light of the world. Jesus said so. Sometimes you have to tell your flesh that because your flesh kind of goes, no, Jesus is the light of the world. Now don't put that off on Him. Come on. Don't put that off on Him. You've taken His identity. So now that's you. You're no longer the old you. You carry His identity. In fact, Scripture what is, what is one of the verses that we looked at last week? We talked about being made the righteousness of God. He was made sin so that we would be made completely right with God. That we stand before God as right as God is when we accept what Jesus did for us. In fact, 
Paul said it this way. He said, I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live. See, he counts himself as the old, the old Paul is dead and gone. I no longer live. Now, he was very much alive as he was writing this. Right? So, he says, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. By His faith and of His faith is how we live. And so in Matthew 5, where it says in 14, you are the light of the world. A city situated on a hill cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, but rather on a lampstand. And it gives light for all who are in the house. In the same way, let your light shine. Now, one, one translation says that ought to be your light must shine. Puts more emphasis on it. In the same way, let your light shine before men so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. I am the light of the world because He made me so. In the same way, it says, let your light shine before men. Not take it and hide it away somewhere because of fear. Not take your light and go, well, yeah, if, if, I, if I did that, I'd lose my job. So? There's not other jobs out there? I mean, right now is the best time in the world to lose your job because there's so many available. Everyone needs help, right? So if you need a job, praise the Lord, you have opportunities. And even if there was no jobs out there, if you forsake something for His sake, He said He's going to add a hundred times as much to you. So you prepare for promotion if you're in those shoes. Promotion. You are the light of the world. A city situated on a hill cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp, puts it under a basket, but rather on a lampstand. What's a lampstand for? It's supposed to be seen, right? It's, it's up so that it puts the light all over. It gives light for all who are in the house. Everybody. Everyone in the house sees it. Light. In the same way, let your light shine. I'm going to let my light shine. Right? Let your light shine before God. Before And here's the thing. It doesn't say, let your light shine before God. But with our religious ears, we hear it that way. It says, let your light shine in front of people. <laughs> Do it in front of people so that they see it. Coming from you. And then they're going to give Him glory. Not you. Him. You know that song, This Little Light of Mine. I'm going to let it shine. Well, that's just wrong. Why are we singing about little lights? I mean, really, in our children's church, we need to make sure they don't sing it that way. Let's have them sing it different. You know, like, this divine light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. That way, you know. This divine light of mine, 
I'm gonna let it shine. This divine light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Hide it under a basket, oh no, I'm gonna let it shine. Hide it under a basket, oh no, I'm gonna let it shine. Hide it under a basket, oh no, I'm gonna let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Won't let Satan blow it out, I'm gonna let it shine. Won't let coronavirus blow it out, I'm gonna let it shine. Won't let fear and sin blow it out. I'm gonna let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine till Jesus comes. I'm gonna let it shine, let it shine till Jesus comes. I'm gonna let it shine. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> shine on! <laughs> I could get my motions in check and then I can sing again. <laughs> Come on, the light in you is divine. It is from, it's the light of life. It is the light of God, the God that created the whole universe. When God said, let there be light, you know what's amazing about that whole thing? There was no physical light yet created. Let there be light. The sun wasn't created, the moon wasn't created, the stars weren't created. None of it. And he says, let there be light. See, those things are not light. They have light, but they are not light. God is light. And in Him is the light of life. He is the light of men. In fact, in John chapter 1, in uh, how many of you are, are watching the series The Chosen? The season 2. I just like so much how they've been going through um, the Gospel of John, the beginning part of it. It says this in, in ch chapter 1 of John, the Gospel of John. It says, In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. All things were created through Him. And apart from Him, not one thing was created that has been created. Life was in Him. And that life was the light of men. And if we would keep reading, it says that light shines in the darkness, yet the darkness did not overcome it. There was a man named John who was sent from God. He came as a witness to testify about the light so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. The true light who gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world and the world was created through him, yet the world did not recognize him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive them, he gave them the right to be children of God. To those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood or of the will of flesh or of the will of man, but of God. The word became flesh and took up residence among us. We observed his glory, the glory as the one and only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Full of grace and truth. So He is the light of life. The light of men. Light unto all men. In fact, in, in John chapter 8, it says this. Jesus made the statement. He said, I am the light of the world. Anyone who follows Me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. 
will have. Have, not just observe. If you're just watching Christians burn, but you're not burning yourself, you're on the outside and you need to come on the inside and get lit like a torch. You and I are supposed to burn, and people that look see the light, and they glorify Him. What does he say in Matthew 5 here? He says, in the same way, let your light shine before men so that they may see your good works. See, part of shining light is doing works. Well, what kind of works? Well, the works that Jesus did. Remember, he said to the disciples, you're going to do greater things than I did. The works that i done. If you don't believe me, he said to the Pharisees, if you don't believe me, at least believe the works that I'm doing. He was talking about the signs, the wonders, the miracles. And so those things are the works. So we need to let our light shine so that all may see the good works, the work that Jesus already started that we're continuing in the earth and that they may glorify the Father in heaven. 1 Thessalonians 5.5 I'll just read a few Scriptures to you. You can listen. It says, For you are all sons of light and sons of the day. Someone say, I am a son of the light. A son of the day. Hallelujah. And if, you, if you're a lady here, you can be a son. Just like us men can be part of the bride of Christ. Seems fair to me. We do not belong to the night or the darkness. Philippians 2, 14 and 15 say this, Do everything without grumbling and arguing, so that you may be blameless and pure, children of God who are faultless in a crooked and perverted generation, among whom you shine like stars, in the sky. You shine. Stars in the sky are visible, aren't they? You shine like stars in the sky. That doesn't mean just the pastor shining. Or that evangelist guy shining. Or, or that guy, he's real bold and charismatic. No, you is every, each and every one of you shine like stars. None of us are left out of this equation. Ephesians 5, let's put this one up on the screen. Ephesians 5, verse 8, but do it in the uh, NIV, please. Ephesians 5, verse 8. I said the title of our series was Living in the Light and Loving It. Living in the Light and Loving It. Ephesians 5, 8 in the NIV says, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Light in the Lord. Live as children of light. Live as children of light. If you look at the screen, you'll see it. You are light in the Lord. You are now light in the Lord. You were darkness, but you are now light. You were in a realm that could not be seen. You are now light. Not in the light. You are now light. That recreated DNA of your spirit being born again on the inside of you is light. It cannot be darkness. And so you are now light, so live as children of light. Or the word lives, a lot of translations um, translated as walk. Walk or live as children of light. Say, I am living in the light. I am light. I am not part of darkness. 1 Peter 2, 9-12, through I'll read these to you. It says, you are a chosen race. Someone say, that's me. A royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for His possession, so that you may proclaim the praises. 
so that you may proclaim the praises of the One who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. If you'll just do a search in your Bible on the word light, it's everywhere. Marvelous light. He called us into His marvelous light. Okay, Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. You have had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Dear friends, I urge you as strangers and temporary residents to abstain from fleshly desires that war against you. Conduct yourselves honorably among the Gentiles, so that in a case where they speak against you as those who do what is evil, they will, by observing your good works, glorify God on the day of visitation. So by seeing your good works, how did Jesus say it in Matthew? He said, in the same way, let your light, same way as a light on a hill that everyone can see, a city, the same way as a light in a room on a lampstand that everyone in the room can see, in the same way, let your light shine before men so that they may see your good works. And the result of those good works that they see is them glorifying the Father. Well, here, that's what he says. He says, they're going to they're gonna look and by observing your good works... Glorify God on the day of visitation. On the day of visitation. So that's in your workplace. That's in your family. That's at home. That's at the marketplace. Everywhere. Right? That your light is being the light of God. That you are the light of God. So the question, how do I live in the light? How do I bring this home? How do I, you know, I know that He made me to be light, but light is it's more than just shining, it's about doing good works, right? So how do I live in the light? Let's go over to James chapter 1. James chapter 1 and verse 22 is where we're going to begin. 1.22 He says, but be doers of the Word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. So be doers or performers of the Word. Not hearers only. Not listening only. Because if you hear but do not do the Word, you deceive yourself. That's self-deceived. That's not devil-deceived. That's not deceived by your neighbor. That's not deceived by someone tricky. That's Deceived by yourself. I think that's the worst way to be deceived. When it's self-deceived. The BBE translation says it this way, but be doers of the Word, not only hearers of it, blinding yourselves with false ideas. Blinding yourself. See, Part of the reason this deceives yourself when you hear something and you hear something and you hear something. Maybe you've grown up in the church and you're accustomed to hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing. And the danger in this is is that because we know about it, yes, we know that truth is there. Yes, we're convinced that that truth is true. Because we know about it, we think we're living it. But knowing about it is not living it. That's just now knowing about it. Living it's an entirely different thing. You know, knowing about something can come by divine revelation. That's what light is. It's a revealer. Jesus is the spirit of revelation. 
All right? And He reveals. And so, when light comes and revelation comes, you now know about something, but there's, that's only part of the equation. The other side of it still has to be carried, lived out. Lived in the light. Walked out, we might say. Walking in the light. And when we, when we know about something, and at one time it was especially, here is a key place. If this was a life-changing truth to you at one time, but now, because it was so life-changing for you, you may have years later moved to a place of it no longer holding the significance of you. Sure, maybe you've matured, maybe you've grown, but the danger is because I know it and because that, you know, back I, I was filled with the Holy Spirit back in 1991 and I had this life encounter, this just amazing spiritual encounter. And, and so, yeah, I was filled back in 1991. Well, no, wait a minute. You can be filled every day. And if we know about something rather than our living it and doing it, we wind up deceiving ourselves thinking I'm all about that when really you're not. You just know about it. And, and really, this is... I'm going to just belabor this a little bit. This is a tricky spot for you and I. Because we hear stuff so much. We hear these powerful truths about the healing power of God, about the power of our words. We know how to talk the faith talk. We know how to kind of eliminate the things out of our language that aren't faith. And, and so we disguise it in other ways. You know, I'm concerned about something. We wouldn't admit about being afraid. That's fear. We know fear's bad, so I'm just concerned about it. You know, and we, we've learned to phrase things and we think we're about it. And if someone were to quote one verse, we could probably quote three more to go along and agree with what they just said. But are we living it? Are we actually doing it and behaving as though we believed it? Or do we just know about it? It's like one fellow, we were down in, in Guatemala and uh, he got in to move the truck and he nearly backed into something. And he owned the truck, okay? He knew how to drive. He was a good driver. And um, I asked him if he had, I said, you know, do you know how to drive or have you just read about it? And uh, they all thought this was just the funniest thing ever and they chewed this for the rest of the trip, right? But you know how to drive or you just read about it. But you get the point. Have you just read about it or do you know it? Do you know it? Say, I am, by the grace of God, a doer of the Word, not a hearer only. Alright, in James, I read verse 22. I'm going to read it again, then we'll move on. But be doers of the Word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Because if anyone is a hearer of the Word and not a doer, he is like a man looking at his own face in a mirror. For he looks at himself, he goes away, right away he forgets what kind of man he was or what he looked like. You know, for some of you, you look in the mirror and you look at your hair and see how it is and then you go away and, well, is it still in place? I don't know. Let's go back and look. I don't have that problem, but you might. Right? <laughs> Me and Paul, we know where our hair is going to look the same way. But we might go look and do I have a booger hanging out of my nose? No, I'm still good. Right? You forget what you look like because your appearance changes. It needs washed. It needs cleaned. It needs combed. It needs all these things. Trimmed. Whatever. And so... When you look in a mirror and you go away, you have to come back and look again. And that's what the kind of person is that he is simply hearing the Word, but he's not doing it. 
He has to constantly come back to hear more, but he never has any fruit in his life because he's simply not doing it. So do you value the Word? Or is it something that just tickles your ears? Oh, that was nice. That feels great. Now let's go back to our life of sin and life of heathen living during the week. Then we'll come back next week and we'll listen again. Have our ears tickled. We'll feel better. Don't all look at me like you don't know what I'm talking about. Psalms 119, verse 162 says, I rejoice at your word like one who finds great spoil. Do you value it? I ask the question, how do you live in the light? Well, it starts here. Do you value the word of God? Is it like great spoil to you? Like great treasure to you? Or when someone quotes a verse to you, yeah, I know that verse. Oh, you know about the verse or you know the verse? There is a difference. Joshua 1.8, he said this, he said, This book of instruction must not depart from your mouth. You are to recite it day and night so that you may be able to recite it anytime you want. Nope, that's not the reason for it. So that you may carefully observe. That means do. Why is he supposed to recite it day and night? So that he will do. Everything written in it. And then, then you will prosper and succeed in whatever you do. This is what the Lord said to Joshua. Well, verse 25 back in James. says, the one who looks intently into the perfect law of freedom, perfect law of liberty, and perseveres in it. That means remains in it, abides in it, stays in it, lives in it perseveres in it. In what? In the perfect law of liberty. And is not a forgetful hearer. You know, like the guy looking in, a, in the mirror. How's my, how's my face? And you go away. Maybe I grew a pimple. I better go back and look again. Right? <laughs> but no, that you go away and you know exactly because it's written in your heart. It's written on the tables of your heart. He says... If, if you abide in it, if you remain in it, if you persevere in it, and you don't forget what you heard, but you are a doer who acts, this person will be blessed in what he does. This sounds just like what the Lord said to Joshua, right? That you'll be blessed in everything you do. You will be blessed in what you do if you are a doer of the Word of God. Remember in Luke 11 where Jesus is teaching and his, his mom and his uh, brothers, sisters, they come stand outside. They're wanting to talk to him. And they can't get in because there's a crowd there. And um, so they came to him. This was in, in Luke 8 actually. And so they came to him and said, hey, your mother and your brothers are out there. They want to see you. And he said, Jesus said, my mother and brothers are those who hear and do the Word of God. See, hearing and doing have to go together. Else you are just in deception or rebellion. If you hear but are not a doer, it's either going to be deception or rebellion. My mother and my brothers are those who hear and do the Word of God. In Luke 11, that was where a woman in the crowd he was teaching cries out, and she goes, blessed is the mother who gave birth to you. 
Yeah, happy Mother's Day, right? But Jesus said, blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it and do it. More blessed than being Jesus' mom are those who hear and do what the Lord is saying. There is a reason that Jesus made the statement, take care how you hear. You know, the same sermons that he would preach, the same teachings that he would give, people would had transformations, they were healed, they had miracles, they had breakthrough, they had all these things, and there was people that went away angry and disgusted and wanting to kill him. Stuck in their religious thinking, they were hearers of the word but not doers of it. And so we have to take care how we hear so that what we hear is actually truth. And see, a lot of people are listening through the ears of offense, through the ears of you name it, through the ears of an ideology, through the ears of this is how I was raised. This is a big one, especially in this county, through the ears of tradition. This is how we've always done it. Doesn't matter if it's right or wrong or indifferent, this is how we've always done it. So we will continue to drive horse and buggy. Right? This is how we've always done it. And so everything gets interpreted and, and translated through ears that ears of tradition. Well, for you and I, we have to make sure that we are hearing accurately and not hearing through ears of, yeah, I know that already. Yeah, I've heard that already. In fact, I could teach it better than you. You're probably right. But you know, if you and I would just live even half of what we know, we'd blow the lid off of this place, wouldn't we? Lord, help us to live it out. Let's go to Ezekiel. Ezekiel 33. Someone say, I am a doer of the Word of God. See, it's not the hearer that gets results, it's the doer. You can listen to tapes and CDs of sermons all day long. You can read books. You can, you can memorize the Word. You can go to LTS class. You can go to the Armada Commission. You can go to Bible schools down the street. You can stay up all night praying and fasting. But if you don't do what the Word is telling you, it's all pointless. Here in Ezekiel chapter 33, verse 30. Actually, I've got to say more on this. Look, being self-deceived, how are you going to undeceive yourself when you were the one who deceived yourself? Kind of a hopeless place. This is why we must ask the Lord to reveal truth to us. This is why we have to rely on Him that by His Holy Spirit, teach me, be my teacher. Where I have deceived myself and believe a lie, Father, reveal it to me so that I can change. Pray this way to Him. Because it's only in Him that revelation comes. Have you ever had an argument with someone, a debate, a discussion, and, and like they're so wrong, you're so right, all the facts, all the evidence is on your side, not on theirs, and they still can't see it. You're saying one plus one makes two. They're going one plus one makes nine. And it's just like, you're crazy. And no amount of arguing, no amount of convincing convinces them. Because they are deceived. 
Maybe there's a, a spirit involved. Maybe there's other things at play. But they're deceived. And so at this point, your logic and reason is not going to convince them. That's already been proven. What can convince them is when the Father brings light to them. And suddenly, in a moment, logic doesn't matter. They see clearly. And go, ah, one plus one does make two. Now, when they finally see it, but don't give you the credit for it, take your pride and flush it. And rejoice that they saw it. That's awesome. I'm so glad you got that. I mean, I'm sure that I have done this to people, and I know some of you have done it to me. I've taught things for years. The same thing. Someone else will come stand in the pulpit and say word for word the phrase I've been saying all along. And you got it, and we're like, wow, that's the first time I ever heard that. And I'm going, where have you been? But see, I have to go, yes, I'm glad they see it. And not care about where they got it from because it's the Lord who gives light. And it doesn't matter the vessel it came through. I mean, my amazing wife even did that to me one time. And that was where I had to go, I had to check myself. Because I'm like, babe, you live with me. This is like one of the things I'm always saying. How, what? And, uh, but it clicked when someone else said it. And so, as a a pastor in this house, I always rejoice when someone comes in, they say something, but because maybe they couched it differently, maybe because of something they said earlier, but suddenly it's able to filter in and light and growth comes. And you know what? Light is life. Light is life. (laughs) Hallelujah. All right, now we're ready for Ezekiel 33. Won't let Satan, or won't let pride snuff it out. I'm going to let it shine, right? Don't let, your, don't let pride kill the light. Verse 30. Now, son of man, your people are talking about you near the city walls and in the doorways of their houses. One person speaks to another, each saying to his brother, come and hear what the word is that comes from the Lord. So, in their homes, in the marketplace, in their places, people are saying about the prophet, they're saying, come and hear what the Lord is saying through him. Come hear the word of the Lord. Is this a good thing? This is not a trick question. Yeah, this is a good thing, right? To bring people to a place to hear from the Lord. What follows is not so good here in verse 31. It says, so my people come to you in crowds. See, the Lord even identifies them as my people. My people are coming. They're coming in crowds to sit in front of you and hear your words, but they don't obey them. Although they express love with their mouths, their hearts pursue unjust gain. Yes, to them you are like a singer of love songs who has a beautiful voice and plays skillfully on an instrument. They hear your words, but they don't obey them. See, we live in this entertainment society. And people are accustomed to coming in, being entertained, hearing, and then going out and living their life. You know, we spectate. We don't engage. This is important. When we're worshiping, engage. I can't worship for you. You can't worship for me. But together, we can worship the Lord. 
accustomed to coming, hearing, and leaving. Coming, hearing, and leaving. That was great. Let's take someone to hear that well. Then we hear and then we leave. But you know, the thing is, is we are not judged by just our words. We're judged by our works. Our works are not what get us to heaven. Don't hear me wrong. That, that was covered last week. All right? You listen to last week's sermon. And there's only one way to get to heaven, and that is through Jesus and what He did, the works He did for you. It's His identity we now carry. Yet there is a judgment of works that we are still going to stand in front of and works that you and I did or did not do. Don't think of being judged just for what you did. We're going to be judged for what we were supposed to do but did not. And it is serious and we need to look at it seriously and go, okay, Lord, help me. No amount of planning to do it. Well, I was planning on doing that, Lord. Well, I was going to do it. I meant to do it. I got to do it. Yeah, I, I want to do it. I have to do it. But it's still not done. Is that done? No. There's only one way to have it be done, and that's do it. Now it's done. Not judged by our plans, we're judged by our works. So, we have to walk in the light that the Lord has given to you, to I. We are going to walk in the light that we have. Not in the light someone else has. In the light you have. Psalms 119.130 says, The entrance of your word gives light and gives understanding to the simple gives understanding. The entrance of your Word gives light. God is light. And when you read the Word and you... Pastor Dale made a statement, Apostle Dale made a statement the other day when he was ministering here and he said, don't read the Word of God without Him. Such an important statement. Don't read the Word of God without Him. But when you sit to read, invite Him. Teach me, Lord. Show me from Your Word. Open up my eyes. Give me eyes to see. I always pray this way before I read. The entrance of your word gives light, gives understanding to the simple. Here's one of the ways that you know that light just came in. You get excited about it. You read it and suddenly it's like, ooh, look at that. I didn't see that before that way. Also in Psalm 119 and verse 105, it says, Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. Your word is light. Your word is light for my feet, light for my path. It's going to show me the way to go. But if you say, well, I'm going to read the Word, but then not actually walk in the light of it, that's self-deceived. Knowing it is, but not doing it. How many know it's not what you know, it's what you do? Some people say it's not what you know, it's who you know. That's true too when it comes to Jesus, but it goes further. And now, what you do. Let's go to John chapter 8. You know, there's a difference between a believer and a disciple. You can be a believer and still be a child of the devil. You know what? Well, that's what Jesus said. But to be a disciple is something different. In John 8 verse 30, he says this, As he was saying these things, many believed in him. You see that line, many believed in Him. The people that He was saying these things to, many believed in Him. 
So he said to the Jews who had believed in him. So he is talking to believers. He's not talking to unbelievers. He's talking to believers. He said to the many who believed in him, he said, if you continue in my word, if you abide or dwell, stay or live, we could say, in my word, you really are my disciples. Otherwise, you're not a disciple, you're just a believer. Now, we want to be believers and disciples. Believing disciples, right? Not unbelieving disciples, that's a problem too. It's just being religious. No, believing disciples. If you continue, if you abide in my word, and you really are my disciples... The word disciple in the New Testament means more in the New Testament, if you look it up, like the Strongs will tell you that it means pupil or learner. But it, it really means more than just a pupil or, or a learner. It means to be an adherent who accepts the instruction given to him and makes it his rule of conduct. A disciple is an ad- adherent who accepts the instruction given to him and makes it his rule of conduct. Verse 32, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Does this sound like good news to anybody? You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Probably most of us in here have that memorized. You will know the truth. Or we'll just, a lot of times people will just start there and say know the truth or they'll just say the truth will set you free. And if they're really ambitious, they might add, know the truth and the truth will set you free. But really, it says more than that. That's still only half of the equation. Truth in and of itself can't do anything for you unless you receive it. And once you receive it, what did he say back in the previous verse? He said, continue in my word. That's doing it. Do my word then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free, will liberate you. It's in the doing of the word that you know it. See, that word know is, is a, a word that it means constant experiential knowledge of. It means experientially and intimately. It was a Jewish word for intercourse. Experientially and intimately. Knowing it. Not knowing about it. But knowing it on a very deep personal level. I've experienced it. I know it. Knowing something by experiencing it is a whole different level than knowing about it. How many of you have ever been in an auto accident? Like a, not just a fender bender, but like a really bad total to vehicle wreck. I could be dead. All right, so looking around the room, there's a handful of, of hands up. Um, so for those of you that were in the accident, you experienced something that those who only hear about accidents or witness accidents didn't experience. There's a whole different level. I'll, I'll say it this way. I used to struggle with falling asleep when I was driving. Not like, no, I, I'm saying that wrong. That really gives a wrong idea. I struggled with staying awake. All right. I wasn't trying to sleep. It wasn't a struggle to go to sleep. I was struggling staying awake driving. And then along when I was about 23, 
I fell asleep and totally trashed the vehicle. Went end over end, rolled it like wasn't seat belted in, should be dead. I was unharmed. I just had an experiential knowledge of something now. I knew something that I didn't know before. And when you know something on a heart level, rather than know about it head level, it will mark you and it will cause change to come into your life. There's a word for this. In Christianese, we call it repentance. A change of heart and mind that causes a change of direction. Guess what? From that day going forward, when I would go out and drive, and I would begin to get sleepy and tired, maybe I'm low on sleep, overworked, all that kind of thing, you know, late at night, wasn't a struggle anymore. I had a knowing about what happens when you fall asleep that I didn't have before that accident. An experience, let's put it, that marked me and changed me on the inside and just reset some programs on the inside around staying awake. It's the difference between knowing about car accidents and and falling asleep and being in one. You don't sleep long, I'll put it that way. Jesus made this statement in John chapter 14. He said, the one who has my commands. Do you have his command? The one who has my command and keeps them or does them is the one who loves me. And the one who loves me will be loved by my Father. And I will also love him and will reveal myself to him. The word reveal, it's, it's light being revealed. Jesus is the light of men. Remember, we read that in John chapter 1. He is the light of life. He is the light of men. And here he's saying, if you have my words, and you do them, and you keep them, you guard them, then you love me, and we love you, and I'm going to give you more light. I'm going to reveal myself to you. I will show you even more. More light. Someone say more light. See, we are not held accountable for what we don't know. He said, the one who has my words and keeps them. He didn't say, the one who should know about my words and doesn't know about them. He said, the one who has my words and keeps them. That's the one. So we we are held accountable for what we know. And you know what? He knows what you know. He knows what I know. I can't, I can't pretend like I don't know something when He knows you know. To so do what you know. Let's say this. By His grace, By His grace I, am I am and will be not just a hearer only, just a hearer only but, a word, but a doer of the Word because Jesus is my Lord. Go with me over to Luke chapter 6. Worship team, you can uh, come up if you want. We're winding down here. Luke chapter 6, and we're going to look down here in verse 46. See, what is your foundation on? Is your foundation on the truth? Here Jesus made this statement in 46. He said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do the things I say? See, if we're going to call Him Lord, then we have to do what He says. Now remember, this was written to believers. Remember believers, disciples? It's written to believers. Why do you call me Lord or Master, but you're not doing what I told you to do? 
Let's ask ourselves that question. Say, Lord, help me. So verse 47, he says, I will show you what someone is like who comes to me, hears my words, and acts on them. So there's three parts. They came, they heard, they acted. They did. They came, they saw, they conquered. Right? They came, they heard, they acted. He is like a man building a house who dug deep, laid the foundation on the rock. Man, this is bedrock. When the flood came, the river crashed against that house and couldn't shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears and does not act is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The river crashed against it and immediately it collapsed and the destruction of that house was great. There's a few things here I want you to notice. These guys are neighbors. They're living on the same river bank. They're living in the same storm. They've had the same opportunities. They heard the same word. It worked for one, but it didn't work for the other one. Why? Because one did it, the other one just knew it. Knew about it. And so you and I need to take inventory of our own life and say, okay, Lord, I don't want to be a hearer only. I want to be a doer. And in areas that I think I know, but I'm not doing, reveal it to me. It's not your job to go around to each other and go, oh, you're not doing this. No, 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 no. You're not the Holy Ghost. Let Him be the Holy Ghost. Let Him be the revealer. All right? And you be open and humble and willing to grab a hold of it. So come, so hear His Word. His Word makes all the difference. You know, when you take a hold of the Word, because Jesus is the Word, we read that. When you take a hold of the Word, you are bringing Jesus to the scene instantly, whatever it is you're up against. And when you take a hold and act upon that Word, when you speak and act upon His Word, you are bringing light, boom, right here to this situation. Speak the Word to your problems. Speak. In other words, you are bringing light to bear. You're bringing Jesus to bear when you come up against a problem or a crisis or a sickness or whatever it be. Someone say, I am a doer of the Word of God. He gives me ears to hear and I listen carefully and I will obey what He tells me. Hallelujah. That's good. I'm going to pray and then I'm going to read a passage of Scripture and we'll go right into worship. Father, I thank You that You are the revealer. And we just say, Lord, show us, reveal to us individually by Your Spirit, give us eyes to see and ears to hear, that we would hear and do what You've given to us. Lord, those things that You've given and maybe we've forgotten or let slip or we think we're all about it, but really 
you see that we're not. I'm asking you, Lord, reveal that to me. Reveal it to the people. Cause us to know it so that we can change. So that we can rise up and come from faith to faith, glory to glory. Lord, we long that your light within us, our light now, would shine brightly. That works would be done. That all would see and they would glorify you. That they would recognize that you, the divine one, is living in your people in the earth. I thank you, Father, for this in Jesus' name and amen. Well, stand with me if you would. If you're unable to, you may remain seated. Worship is a posture of the heart, not necessarily a position of the body. Yet the Word does tell us that there are positions that are worshipful. Like, I will sing before the Lord. I will dance before the Lord. I will lift up holy hands unto the Lord. I will clap my hands unto the Lord. There's many expressions in our body. I will kneel before the Lord. There's many expressions that we can find in Scripture, positions of worship, but all of it is just useless if your heart isn't there. Come on. If it's for show. Come on. So in Isaiah 12, I'm going to read the whole chapter. It's very short. On that day you will say, I will praise you, Lord, although you were angry with me. Now, the previous chapter is about the root of David. It's about Jesus and how he's coming. It says, your anger has turned away and you have had compassion on me. Indeed, God is my salvation. I will trust him and not be afraid because Yah the Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. Let's say that. Yah the Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. You, someone say, that's me. You will joyfully draw water from the springs of salvation. And on that day, you will say, give thanks to the Lord, proclaim His name, celebrate His deeds among the peoples, declare that His name is exalted. Sing to the Lord, for He has done glorious things. Let this be known throughout the earth. Cry out and sing, citizens of Zion, for the Holy One of Israel is among you in His greatness. So let's worship Him at the end or toward the end of worship. If you need healing in your body, I invite you to come up here to the front and we're going to pray over you and believe God and rejoice that healing is yours, belongs to you, and that it is finished, accomplished, completed in your body. So let's worship.
If you need healing in your body, just come up and we will lay hands on you and you will recover. You know, Jesus made a powerful statement when He said that these signs will follow the believer. There was a certain specific set of signs. If you guys could slide over and we'll have people coming up the center aisle. If you could slide over. Jesus said, these signs will follow them who believe. Well, I believe. How about you? He said, these signs will follow them that believe. They will drive out demons. They will pick up snakes and they won't get hurt. They'll drink deadly things and it won't hurt them. Talking about the demonic realm. Handling the demonic and it not having any effect on you. And then he said this. They're going to speak in new tongues and they're going to lay hands on the sick and they will recover. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. They will recover. So tonight we're going to see you recover. We're going to see you come into health and strength like never before. Recover. That's what we believe. So I'm going to start over here on my right and just move this way. And um, when I get to you, just tell me what you need from the Lord. And then I'm going to lay hands on you. And you're going to receive the power of God in your body. And you're going to be healed. So if you're in the congregation, just stretch out your hands. Believe with us.
Yes, worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb. So for all of those that we prayed for, I want you to do something. As you receive a full manifestation of healing in your body or the person that we prayed for, come back and share that with us so that we can encourage each other with these testimonies. As you see them develop, as you, as you realize that the healing has been now finished, come tell us and so we can shout together about it. And between, right when we prayed, and from now going forward, I want you to just simply do something. If we prayed for you personally, whenever this thing tries to bug you, you say, nope, I was prayed for, hands were laid on me, I was healed, is what the Word tells you. And you stay steadfast on that confession. Well, hallelujah, one way that we love God in this house is we encourage each other, we love on each other, we check in on each other. So do that, everyone's encouraged or invited to come downstairs for a time of fellowship. starts off with praise the Lord. I just love it. It caught my eye. Okay, I lift my hands and start praising them. Such an opportunity always to praise the Lord. I will praise the Lord with my whole heart in the assembly of the upright and in the congregation. The works of the Lord are great, studied by all who have pleasure in them. Do you have pleasure in the word? His works are honorable and glorious, and His righteousness endures forever. As I'm reading this, think about the Lord. Just This is His nature, His character, what He's done. He has made His wonderful works to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion. Aren't you glad? Have you had a personal time that you're glad that He was full of mercy and compassion? He has given food to those who fear him. He will ever be mindful of his covenant. He has declared to his people the power of his works in giving them the inheritance of the nations. The works of his hands are just. All his precepts are true. They stand forever and ever, and they're done in truth and righteousness. He has sent redemption to his people. Hallelujah! Glory to God. So you can read the word and stop and just give him a great big hallelujah. He has commanded his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. The fear, the reverential fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It's smart to reverentially fear the Lord. A good understanding have all those who do his commandments. Are you a doer of the word? Not just a hearer, but a doer. His praise endures forever, ever and ever and ever. Let's stand together as family in the House of Church of the Word International this wonderful Saturday night. And let's just give God our praise.
every one of us doing the perfect will of the Father bringing redemption bringing salvation bringing healing bringing uh, redemption from the enemy from the destruction of hell and he said hanging on there it is finished Jesus did it all and he did it for me everybody say that he did it for me Make Jesus your personal healer, your personal Lord, your personal Savior. The Bible is your personal love book from Jesus. Make it a personal relationship and walk with him. Put your name all in it because he did it for you. Amen. Let's just lift our hands and say, Jesus, thank you. Thank you. Thank him from your heart. Thank him for who he is. Thank him for what he's done. Thank him for what he's going to do. Live and cultivate a thankful heart for all Jesus is. He's done so much. And Jesus, we just thank you. Father, we thank you. Holy Spirit, we welcome you in this place. We just give you all the praise and all the glory. We honor you and celebrate you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, one way we what? Is by? Yes. Yeah. So turn to your neighbors and tell them, I'm so glad you're here. And the juniors will stay in the service tonight. Well, good evening, everyone, again. Welcome to Church of the Word International. If this is your first time here or you consider yourself a visitor, could you raise your hand so we can properly welcome you? Any visitors? Nice try, Adrian. <laughs> okay, we're all... <clears throat> if you are going to need a cash envelope for your giving, you can raise your hand and the ushers will get one to your hand. And I'm going to encourage you out of the book of Psalms tonight. So turn to Psalms 31. You know, God is so good to us. Amen? He's so good. And he just loves to pour out his goodness on me and you. Isn't that right? He's just very interested in you living the abundant life. And that spirit, that soul, that body. Listen to this in Psalms 31. Verse 19 says, Oh, how abundant is your goodness, which you have stored up for those who fear you and worked for those who take refuge in you in the sight of the children of mankind. His goodness is being prepared and stored up for you. And notice what he says about it. It's visible. 
It's visible. People are going to be able to see it. See, when you go in to buy a washing machine and you come away with that washing machine $200 less than you thought you were going to pay, what is, that's the goodness of God. When you get dates moved and suddenly your weekend's working out, that's him being good to you. When you think that you're going to have a Christmas with no Christmas gifts and five days later you've got a living room full of Christmas gifts, <laughs> that's the goodness of God. And I could go on and on, but we're not done. Turn over to um, flip the page, leastways it's, it's in my Bible, to Psalms 33 and verse 18. It says, Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him. So he's watching. He's looking. It says, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those who hope in his steadfast love, that he may deliver their soul from death and keep them alive in famine. So he's looking to help you and bless you spiritually and physically, in the natural and in the spiritual. It says, our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield, for our heart is glad in him because we trust in his holy name. Let your steadfast love, now this word, steadfast love, is often translated as goodness or as kindness, sometimes even mercy. It says, O Lord, be upon us even as we hope in you. And skip down to the next chapter in verse 6. It says, This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him. Now, what do you suppose a poor man would cry out about? I, I mean, I've, I've been real poor before. I've been real, real you know, up against a rock in a hard place before. And I know what I cried out about. So he's there and he heard them. He says he heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. Oh, taste and see. Did you catch that? Oh, sometimes you need this. Oh, like, man, he's good. Oh, he's good. You know, taste and see that he is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him have no lack. The young lions suffer and want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Can you just see that the heart of the Father is to pour out his goodness? That's what he wants to do. He wants to show forth his kindness. But as I read over these scriptures, did you notice there was a particular kind of people that experienced this. It says those who walk in the fear of the Lord, those who hope in or are expecting, are waiting for his goodness, his kindness, those who cry out to him and look to him for help, those who take refuge in him or trusting in him, those who seek the Lord. See, one of the ways that we demonstrate that we have the fear of the Lord or that we fear the Lord is do we reverence his word? Do we obey the word? So when we're tithing, and we're tithing in faith, we're revealing a trust in the Lord. We're giving him his place. We're acknowledging him as our provider, as our source. So that's what we do here in this house, and we believe in it. So we're going to just pray over the tithe and our offerings, so take a hold of that. <clears throat> Father, we are so grateful to you tonight that your eye is upon us. There's nothing you miss in our lives and that you're looking to pour out your goodness on us, that you're looking to bless, looking to help, and that you hear the cry of the righteous. So I just thank you for your kindness towards us. And I thank you, Lord, for these people. I ask you to bless the tithes and bless these tithers and meet every need that they may have according to your word. 
In Jesus' name, and amen. Amen. And the ushers can pass the baskets, and the people will give as unto the Lord. All right, um, some couple things to mention in the bulletin. The Man Home Home Group location is going to be different for this coming week. So if you're part of the Man Home, Manheim Home Group, be looking for a text from your party. So if I can speak right here. <laughs> okay, also, if you are graduating high school or college this spring, if you could sign up in the back, there's a sign-up sheet that we'd like to know that. So if you're graduating high school or college. And the ladies' breakfast sign-up sheet is also in the back. Please don't forget to sign up. That's coming up May 22nd. All right. In the uh, back lobby, you will see a bunch of flowers and herbs, and uh, we invite our mothers to choose one as you go out, and um, just a little appreciation token of our love to you. Also, here I am holding a ballot question uh, sheet of paper that you'll find in the lobby. And this piece of paper explains that on our May 18th ballot that's coming up, there are four questions going to be on that ballot. Now, those questions have been worded in a very tricky way. And they were worded that way intentionally to get people to vote no on the first two questions. But on those first two questions, I'm telling you, you want to vote yes. And, and the IRS and anyone else who wants to say we can't tell people how to vote, watch me. Yes. Vote yes. All right? And it is voting to end uh, Governor Wolf's emergency declarations and all the craziness that's been going on in this state. The next two... Um, the next two questions on the ballot, I would personally recommend a no, a no vote, but you can pick up the piece of paper and look over it and see what, uh, or you can read it and be informed. Let's put it that way. And make sure that you go out and vote. This, this coming election is particularly important because uh, in Pennsylvania, a Supreme Court justice must retire at the age of 75. We have a Supreme Court Justice that is retiring this year. And the Supreme, our Pennsylvania Supreme Court is what allowed uh, the election irregularities to happen in Pennsylvania. Uh, and so it's very important that we get people out to vote. We have three, uh, in the primary, we have three Republicans running. Make sure you research them. I, I, if you want a recommendation, I can give you one, and I can give you why I recommend them. Uh, but it's, this is very important that we get people out to vote because we can make our uh, Supreme Court equal 3-3 with conservative and liberals. Ooh. Right now it's 4-2, liberal, okay. conservative. Yes. A liberal that's retired. So we have the opportunity to make a huge change in Pennsylvania. Amen. Election. Amazing. All right, Josh, turn up and show your smile to everyone behind you so our guests know who to come talk to. Come talk to Josh, and he will help you get that sorted out. <clears throat> Hallelujah. We're having a great time tonight. So some of you are familiar with what these cards are, and you can find them in the lobby in the back. For our guests here, I'll explain real briefly. In the lobby in the back, you can pick up a card, and these are biblical answers to your everyday life questions. And um, 
for the benefit of everyone, we invite people to ask a question on the card, and then there's some information you fill out, your name, and whether or not you want your name to be shared publicly or stay anonymous. And then uh, what we look to do is answer the question. It may be answered publicly, it may be answered privately. Uh, not every question gets answered publicly. But these are, uh, they're not comment cards, they're not suggestion cards, uh, they're question cards. So if you have a, a crazy question like, what about bacon, was one of the questions, right? And some of you maybe remember that when we talked about bacon from a biblical perspective. And praise God that he made good food, right? And, um, and then some questions may be deep theological questions, right? And, uh, but all of them, what we're looking to do is look at the Word and get our answers from the Word about these things. And rather than coming up with our own man-made ideas on it.